Welcome to Sitcom Geeks. I'm Dave Cohen. And I'm James Carey. And Woo! we are... Thank you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I really blew that opening, didn't I? Real rock and roll start. We're at the Chortle Book Festival. That's more like it. Although, being a book festival, it should be a little bit more, maybe, we could hear some chin strokes. Yeah, I can do that. I can do that. Yeah, we have uh, two very special guests. First of all, a writer who I've known many, many years, uh, and and he's written for for everything, really. He started out writing for Weekending Radio 4, and he's written for uh, Spitting Image, and Have I Got News For You, and really was one of the main writers on that for a long time. And uh, he's written loads of books, uh, hence the Total Book Festival, uh, starting with the great uh, memoir, Things Can Only Get Better, and then they did loads more books after that. So, uh, <laughs> and loads more we'll talk about. Please welcome John O'Farrell. Hey! Thank you. Delighted and, to be here. Yeah. <laughs> and also we have someone else who I've known for a very long time as a stand-up comedian, brilliant stand-up comedian, and then uh, went into character comedy, in fact, as uh, uh, Gail Tuesday, the page three stunner. Uh, and now um, Gail is back as Brenda, actually. Brenda is back as herself. Please welcome <laughs> Brenda Gilhooley. <laughs> and I really blew that uh, intro, didn't I? Shall I do That's that fine. one again? No, it's fine. No. Sounds good. Okay. All right. I nearly interjected with the fact that you were also in Harry Hill's Fruit Corner. Yeah, well, uh, I was in Harry Hill's Fruit Corner. Yeah, yeah and I'm and a, a writer on TV, but... And I've listened many, many times yeah. to those episodes, and especially the bit where you say you're going to ride on a badger's back all the way home. Oh, really? Yes, I in, a very strong Irish, <laughs> in a really strong Irish <laughs> accent. Yeah, yeah. Bridie yeah. McGinty. Yes, that's right. Yes, yes. yes. Yeah. so it was Bridie McGinty. Yeah, with, and Al Murray was also in it. I mean, what yeah. a weird... Yeah, What What is that? Yeah, well... That's Harry Hill's imagination. Yes. It's yes. a place you don't want to go. Just one thing. Uh, well, in fact, Harry Hill was, of course, another one who... Started on radio. You've just had your uh, radio sitcom, Madame Mayor, uh, just got a Writers Guild uh, nomination, didn't it? Yes, it didn't did. Didn't quite get there. You didn't, <laughs> quite win the, didn't quite win the speedboat. <laughs> didn't even say that. But a nomination feels like winning. A nomination feels like winning, though. I think like for a pilot, won. actually, it's very rare for a pilot to get a nomination. Oh, so it's not oh, like yeah. you had two series well, like the winner. And they have yeah. to give it a series now, don't they? I hope so. I don't know yet. It was one of the best three radio shows as judged by the Writers Guild. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, so I was delighted at the nomination. And in fact, also, uh, the, the winner of the Outstanding Contribution uh, to Writing at the Writers Guild Awards was John Finnemore. Who? Uh, exactly. exactly. <laughs> who uh, even is that you guy? Know, if you know who John Finnemore is, then you love him because he's yeah. a brilliant uh, radio writer. But the vast majority of people, who is John Finnemore? It's the first time they've ever given uh, Writers Guild Award. I mean, normally they give it to people like Tom Stoppard has had it. Uh, Terry Pratchett, Michael Frey. You need to be nearly dead, don't you? Yeah, yeah. you need to be, have had, your career needs to be behind you, yeah. uh, and you need to have written things that people have heard of. Yeah. And nobody has heard of Radio 4 comedy shows. Sorry, yeah. sorry, Brenda. <laughs> no, no, boy. I've, I've written enough of them to know that. Yeah. It does not butter any past Apart it. from The Goon Show, I think that's yeah. about it, really. Did yeah. you, do you write any... I, I wrote to The Goon Show back in my youth. Yeah. <laughs> But um, so you've got this radio uh, nomination, and and um, John, you started out writing one-line jokes for radio. So for all our uh, sitcom geeks listeners starting out wanting to be a uh, a screenplay writer or write great novels uh, or write hit uh, radio shows, uh, you have to start with those sort of one-line gags, don't you? Or do you, do you have to? Well, you think yeah. Well, I mean, radio is a great place to start. That's where I um, first wandered in off the street and you know gave in my material with the vast array of different 
middle-class male graduates that were in the <laughs> meeting. Um, but uh, no, it was um, it was the, the, the it was just such a uh, open forum in which to throw your ideas. And so yeah, weekending was great for that. And most many many of the great names of British comedy came through there. Mm. And me. Yeah, and I sort of formed <laughs> formed partnerships and writing partnerships. Yeah. And it was actually it wasn't just the the fact that. You know, it was the craft of writing jokes. It was meeting people, yeah. feeling part of it, mm. all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Was, was that yeah, actually where the... you met your writing partner? Uh, actually, I met him uh, at the Canal Cafe Theatre doing news review. Right. Uh, first, first word I ever said to him was, "Oh my God, I've got no money. Can you buy me a pint?" Very solid start for yeah. a writing relationship. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, yeah. we worked together for um, ten or twelve years after that. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. Mark Burton, who's yeah. another yeah. very successful uh, writer. Well, we yeah. wrote together for twelve years, and he went off and started writing movies and stuff in Hollywood. And, uh, I spoke to him the other day and he said, um, I've just been across America on Spielberg's private jet. No. And I went, yeah, well, I'm doing the Sitcom Geeks podcast. So, yeah. like, so <laughs> well, for you, mate, who's winning life? It's me. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> I think I may have told this on, on Sitcom Geeks before, but this, this was one of my, my sort of glory moments, really. I was working in a little office on Have I Got News for You with Mark Burton, and um, his mobile phone rang. This was about 10, 12 years ago. And um, he uh, answered it and... It was obvious from the answer that, that, that somebody was saying, ah, Mr. Burton, I've got somebody for you. So it was obviously like someone important was, was ringing him. And he sat there and he said, ah, oh, hi, Jeffrey. And I knew at this point, oh, this is Jeffrey yeah, Katzenberg, who, <laughs> was, who is the big head of, head of the, DreamWorks, DreamWorks yeah, 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 at yeah. that point. And I said, oh, thank you. Which one? And at that point, I had worked out as well that... that um, Mark was up for two possible uh, animation Oscars at that point. There was was uh, the the Were Rabbits was one, and yeah. Madagascar. He'd written on yeah. both those oh. films. They both come out at the same time, and obviously Jeffrey had said, "Congratulations, Mark! You've been nominated." And which Mark said, oh, which one? Mark told me a story. Sorry, we're talking about someone you've never met. But Mark told me a story about uh, a conversation he had with Spielberg. Uh, sorry, with Katzenberg. And Katzberg said, my son got a job as uh, an intern uh, at DreamWorks, but I made him change his name so he didn't get any preferential treatment. And Mark said to him, yeah, to Spielberg. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he got away with it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Who would have thought that yeah. you would end up yeah, at we, the yeah. British Library yeah. I know. on a I Sunday? Know. Fantastic. Um, yeah. But, uh, I mean, Brenda, what do you, uh, how do you find writing for radio compared to sort of writing for TV? Well, personally, I found it in some ways I think I'm I my comedy is very written and so if that makes sense you know uh, and actually when I was when you only have words I you know as opposed to everything else if it was tv I just actually I thought oh this quite suits me right. so yeah. I think on a personal level writing for radio quite suits me yeah because I'm, I'm you know Everything's written. Some people think very visually about their gags. I don't really. Right. So, yeah. Uh, yeah so. That suits radio, certainly, yeah. And occasionally, <laughs> therefore, yeah, when you... exactly. No, but also, but then what the annoying thing is, when people in TV start reading your scripts and they know you're a radio writer, they start to say that your TV writing, well, just, it feels very written. 
And you think, yeah. you're only saying that because you know I write radio. Yeah. And, you well, don't, it is and a radio you don't like script it. that they're looking at. Yeah, yeah and you, yeah. you're trying to think of something to say about it that makes you sound clever. Yeah. So, so yeah. it's very written. I don't know. Sorry. But the, no, I mean, the times that I've written uh, radio sketch series and we have been able to set a sketch uh, on the moon or yeah, uh, yeah, exactly, under a submarine yeah. and the budget is no limit when it comes to just sound effects yeah. so sometimes it gives you enormous freedom to yeah, go yeah. anywhere at any time and yeah. have a cast as, as yeah. huge as you want so in that sense they say radio can be the most visual medium I but, think that's, yeah. that is true yeah. Yeah. And yeah. also the, um, the the audience uh, show it works it, it sort of just seems to work better on radio I mean these, these yeah. days it's harder to get an, a TV audience a sitcom or see a successful TV audience sitcom but um, and, and I think a lot of the reason is that like, mm. like you say there John I mean it is sort of in people's imaginations really when you're when you're listening to an audience laughing at a show it's not quite as and, and you're not necessarily enjoying it so much mm. it's not quite as intrusive if you're watching a, a, mm. a sitcom on tv that you aren't liking so much and you think why are those people laughing <laughs> <Those> <laughs> idiots. they are wrong yeah yeah <laughs> Um, this is a book festival, though. Sorry. So, no, that's no, fine. Talking of things that are written, the question I, I wondered uh, for, the, for the panel, for the assembled group, um, is were there one or two books, maybe in your early formative years, which you just thought were really, really funny and but maybe opened your eyes to a new form um, to, to give you a sense of the, the scope of that? My, I suggest my two, two or three would be... Um, uh, Three Men in a Boat by Jerome K. Jerome. And the, 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 the scene, and I read it when I was about 13 or 14, and the scene when he's talking about bringing some cheese back from France that is so incredibly smelly that he eventually <laughs> clears an entire train. Um, and I just remember laughing and laughing at that. But then also the Not the 1982, the, the, the Not the Nine O'Clock News Show had a spin-off book called yes. Not 1982. Right, yeah. Um, and that was, and I just thought, oh, the, you could do this, this is amazing. Uh, which I know is too slightly yeah. obscure thing, but were there any books like that that were well thumbed in your youth or? In I your really teens? liked uh, a good man in Africa, William uh, Boyd. William Boyd, yeah, yeah. Oh. yeah, yeah. that's okay. a really funny novel. Have you yeah, read it? I have read it. Yes. Uh, yeah. th- was that like when you were twelve or something? Or no, <laughs> no, 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 no. What was I reading when I was much younger? I don't know. Um, no, I mean I read that in my twenties, but yeah. I just thought that was really funny and. I mean, what's really strange about comedy? I'm actually, well, John is very, very successful, best-selling novelist. Um, but I have, I'm trying to write a novel at the moment. And oh, I thought, yes, how are you? Neither yeah, am I. Yeah, Sorry, I know, I know. I know. No, don't response. worry, I've said that enough yeah, when yeah. I say to people. Yeah, you yeah. Say, um, everyone is. Yeah. But everyone's a comedian as well, aren't they? Yeah. These days. Yeah, yeah. 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 Anyway, um, what was I going to say about... Writing, novel, writing novels? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I thought, oh, it'll be easier because... Oh, bless you. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it'll be easier because women in comedy have such a hard time of it. I thought, oh, well, if I write a novel, there's so many sort of, you know, women in publishing and women writing books. But um, I've talked to a few people and they said, oh, no, no one wants comedy. I thought, oh, no! Yeah. The, the, apparently, comedy novels are very hard to sell. Yeah, uh, well, there are a great fa- deal of them. I failed to sell one, but um, I'm, I'm hoping to write another one and fail to sell that. Yeah. Well, actually, this is this is quite an interesting thing because uh, when you know, I'm also not writing a novel. Yes. Uh, it's a yeah. third draft as it is now. Um, but you read all these uh, blogs, and you know, there's a, like, like the the the, the, blog, the book be a book writer blog uh, industry is just phenomenal now, and it's all that, know, that sniff of slight contempt yeah. for the. Listener. 
listener was, yeah. was John, yeah. by the yeah. way. Stop and wasting say, your time. Just write. Yeah. Just write the exactly. thing. But they say, you know, which, what's your genre? What's your genre? That's the important thing. And, you know, I've, I've read a lot of John's books, but I, I wanted to, I hadn't read his latest one, so I, went, I sort of caught up on it. And I went to my local Waterstones oh, yes. to get this book. And I thought... What's it mm. called, Dave? What's it called? Uh, oh, sorry. I <laughs> 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 said Waterstones. Yeah. The book's called Things Can Only Get Worse, wow. available from... Uh, th- sorry, Things Can Only Get Worse. Yes. It's got a question mark yeah. at the end. Um, available from all good bookshops. Mm. And um, some crap ones too. Yes. And yeah. some ones that don't pay their tax. But yeah. then I was, I thought, okay, John O'Fat, right. I thought, uh, where do I start? I'll try uh, politics. So I looked at the sort of politics section. No, it's not yeah. there. And I looked in there. I thought, history? Maybe it's in history. I looked at the history section. No, not there. Yeah, humour section, maybe. And, you know, and, it, and then I thought, oh, maybe they accidentally put it in the, the fiction, you know, right. before. Um, and, and eventually, the, the guy was very helpful and, and, and found, uh, in the basement. found it. He finds his shelves. He found it in, in, in a, a section of the history somewhere oh, really? sort of near the French Revolution or something. Oh, great. Wow. That sounds very reassuring. <laughs> but, you know, your books sell. Hmm. Thousands. You're a very popular writer, um, but you know you, we, we you can't. Uh, well, this, to be fair, you bought it a couple of years after it came out, so this book would have been on the tables, I hope, two years ago. Yeah, I'm sure it would. Yeah. Um, sure. But when I first wrote, things can only get better. My first book, and it was publication day, and it was a massive event for me to have written a book. Um, I went into a bookshop in Charing Cross Road. I wanted to see it out on the shelves. So I went in there and looked around a bit, like you did, and couldn't <laughs> see it on any of the shelves. I went, oh, hi, I'm looking for. I think it's called Things Can Only Get Better by John, Far- John Farrell. Oh, yeah, it's in fiction. Oh, I, I think it's non-fiction. No, it's fiction. Uh, I'm pretty, oh, I went over fiction. It's not in fiction. He goes, oh, let me have a look. He goes on the computer, and he pulls out this polythene-wrapped bale of books and just rips it open with a knife, hands it over to me, and goes, 10 99 Oh, <laughs> I had to buy it. I had plenty oh, of copies. Yeah, I, had to right. I was too, Im- I was too embarrassed to go. I don't want one. I just want this to see it. Right. Yeah. So I, bought, I was the first person to buy my book in England. I think. Yeah. <laughs> Tragically. Yeah. It that, is very hard to resist doing that because I, mm. I had a book out this time last year called The Sacred Art of Joking, and it's a non-fiction. And uh, yeah, you do sort of dare to wander into some yeah. you know and you sort of you know and you, and you just think I can't believe I'm being that guy uh, well, the, the, well, the worst isn't. yeah oh. the worst one is when they interview someone on the news and they always interview them by their bookshelf and they're saying and so well the plane crashed and only three of us survived mm. and everyone's nodding and oh, that's really sad and I'm going oh where's my book they've, yeah. got, <laughs> oh, they've got Nelson Mandela's Long Walk to Freedom yeah, they've always yes. got that or sometimes oh, they have got the Da Vinci book, Code yeah yeah but no 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 disrespect to you, Brenda, or, or to me, or to people like mm. uh, David Quantic, who've been uh, here. Uh, but we, we are we are sort of approaching, let's say, the, the sort of the later the the, uh, the the later phase of our careers, aren't we? Really, and we're 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 deciding. Speak to yourself. Just digging yeah. another hole, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> But, I mean, you're, John, you're you, old, Dave. That's yeah, what you're okay, saying. I'm old. Let's All not right. include Brent's everyone old, in this. You, <laughs> I'm 44. But uh, yeah, uh, you, you started um, you started writing books kind of at the peak of your uh, comedy uh, writing. Uh, career, well, you could really. say that actually. It's funny. We're on sitcom geeks. I wrote it when I just had a flop sitcom. So I had uh, right. written a BBC oh. One sitcom which had not gone as well as I had hoped. I thought this was going to be the big breakout show, the next 40 Towers. Am I and allowed it, to say that? Yeah, yeah. We should talk about the Peter Principle. The Peter Principle with Jim Broadbent. We thought this was going to be great. We thought the scripts were funny when we read them, and it came out. And it just didn't. 
you know, the souffle just didn't rise in yeah. the way that we had hoped. Yeah. And um, it's a great idea for a show. It was. It yeah, was a good show. A great star. Yeah. Uh, and Jim Broadbent. Jim I mean, Broadbent. Is, is he yeah. good? Can he act? Yeah. Is he good? <laughs> during the during the recording of that, someone sent in a VHS to Hattrick Productions where we were making this sitcom, and we popped it in the machine to see. He was trying to get backing for this show. And we popped it in the VHS, and this character called, come, pops up called David Brent doing a 10-minute... There's a guy yeah. called Ricky Gervais doing this tester. Yeah. And we went, oh my God, that's better than what we're doing. And oh. it was like, it was like okay. we were the Polish cavalry saying, we've got the best horses in the yeah. whole of Europe. And then the Luftwaffe flew over and went, oh, oh, maybe we're a bit out of date here. Oh, maybe man. there's something else coming along. Yeah. You know? yeah. But we, we interviewed uh, Stephen Moffat, who oh, yeah, talked yeah. about... Uh, was it uh, Chalk? Was it? Yeah, yeah, the whole thing was a prelude just to get him to talk about Chalk. Because yeah. oh yeah, press gang, yeah, yeah, yeah that yeah, was yeah. good. Doctor and oh yeah, yeah, Sherlock, yeah, very yeah. good. Let's talk about the show that failed. Yeah, <laughs> it was only on for two series. Well, I mean, Peter Pitts had two series. Sorry, yeah, yeah. I'm just going to say that the the difference between and you'll you'll know this from being yeah. at a recording. The difference between a, a live recording of a of an audience sitcom and then everything that happens to it along the way yeah. to, to end up on your TV screen. It's a, a, well, a, lot, of in, a lot of interference for a yeah. start. Yeah. Well, it's been the, They were saying that Chalk was, you know, the most fantastic live uh, show that had ever been everyone just they, they gave it a second series literally having watched it in the studio and said this is so brilliant two series and it just didn't there was something about how it didn't um, connect didn't, yeah didn't, well didn't that's the thing about sitcoms they're very hit and miss and so so you do have all these sort of commissioners you know they're always taking credit if something's a hit but really nobody knows no. in yeah. some ways you know, obviously good writing is good writing and, you know, hopefully we all would try to write our best yeah. and uh, you know a good, a good script when you see it. But when people commission it, it's, you know, they've got as many misses as hits. They, mm. they just don't tell you about their no. misses. And, uh, and, and that's the thing. I mean, that's the beauty of sitcom and comedy generally is that it's a kind of a risk in a way that other things aren't quite. Mm -hmm. And no one can really tell. Yeah. yeah, but is yeah. that not? Therefore, we've talked about the number of things that can go wrong in a sitcom. It's sort of about fifteen to twenty, mm. and you you only have control over the script, and sometimes maybe the not casting, even then. Maybe maybe you can yeah. be at the casting. Yeah, but that, if, yeah. yeah, but the thing because you know the novel that I'm not writing as well, I am thinking to myself, I can read this as the reader will experience it. And there's an element well, it's of one control another. It's yeah. one, over it that but, you just yeah. don't have another well, medium. Yeah, but that was one of the reasons I started uh, yeah. trying yeah. to write a novel. Uh, is that is the idea of the control because you do so many things on sort of radio and telly where you get so much interference mm. that you think, oh my god, or a, a lack of permission. Yeah, you mm. just don't get the permission but, to do yeah. it. That was that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's what attracted me to writing a book. Yeah. So in the middle of the, at the end of the Peter Principle, it was a miserable. Uh, experience a lot of uh, anger and arguing during the making of it we felt it felt it going wrong and then at some point in the second series halfway through broadcast uh, the series Jimmy Mulville at Hattrick rang me up and said John they're moving it to after news oh, night or God. something it was like, it's officially a flop <laughs> yeah yeah and then about that same day I got this phone call from somebody who goes is that John 
yes. My name is Jan. I am Belgian journalist. Your show is so funny. Mm. And I went, sorry, who is this, Pete? Is this you? Is it my brother, Pat? No, we love your show in Belgium. It's so funny show. How are you so funny? And it really, we were a big hit in Belgium, which was an yeah. enormous yeah. comfort to me when we yeah. had this flop sitcom. Yeah. But and they remade it in Walloon. Yeah, yeah that's right. In Flemish. Yeah, yes. But the, but, the, um, but the thing about it was just not quite having the show that I thought I'd written come out. And, yeah. the idea, and then having the idea yeah. of a book, I was thinking, well, a book is yeah, completely in charge. I'm completely, yeah, completely in charge. In and charge. I've had an idea for a book. It was going to be a one-off. I didn't plan to write any more books. But it was such a pleasant experience that yeah. when I was offered yeah. the chance mm -hmm. to write more, I sort of... Because yeah. all the interferences... When I was a writer on Harry Hill's TV World, we used to have... I mean... But Harry used to have, I think it was an Alan Sugar puppet, and he used to do this uh, thing yeah. where he was a ventriloquist. Of course he did. But of course, because he's not a ventriloquist, the <laughs> half the joke was he would go, how are you? And he'd go, I'm fine. And he'd, uh, So it's obviously, you know, because he's, yeah. he's not a ventriloquist. We got a call on the Monday from the head of ITV saying, look, I don't want to panic anyone. But I could see Alan. <laughs> could see Harry's lips move. Oh, oh, you think this is what we're dealing with? Yeah, yeah. This is the feedback, oh, the constructive feedback. Know, yeah. The whole thing was a from, from people earning yeah. ten times as much as you are. Yeah, honestly, yeah. yeah. unbelievable. The guy I'm writing with at the moment, he's an American screenwriter, and he got he wrote the last Smurfs movie for his sins. He got a note from the studio saying, "Grumpy Smurf is a bit one note." <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> was that the Smurf played by John Oliver? Maybe it was. I yeah, yeah. Know. I remember he was. Um, you know, he doesn't have a big range as well. But, uh, uh, but Just, no. So to go back to um, back to James's question then, because yes, I think well, we got well, from your what it was. No yeah. idea. Yeah. Why should I listen what's back you, through? Yeah. To say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, anyone? What's your? What was the book that got oh. you oh, started? Yes. Very oh, good. Way well back when, yeah. when, my sort of. Um, very formative years. I used to love the downward school books, the Molesworth books. Oh, yeah. Uh, I used yeah. to think they were really funny. I love the sort of whole subversiveness of them and how this sort of... Um, uh the basic idea that everything's a bit crap and that, you know, the drawings showed that the, it was raining on the football pitch and it was muddy and there was a crow and there were holes in the nets and just they all hated the teachers. And then a bit, uh, bit older, I, like you, I loved uh, um, Through in a Boat and I, I've read that many times and did a thing about it on the radio. Uh, then later on, I suppose, funny books. I loved... Um, I really enjoyed Billy Lyre, which we did at school, and I just oh, loved wow. the whole... Yeah. Uh, I resent right. anything I was made to read at oh, school. Oh, no, I mean, we, had a, we had one English teacher who used to really encourage the comedy, which was informative right. yeah. when someone yeah. goes, yeah. oh, what you are good at is valid. Well, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I used to, we used to always do the accents, and you do all the bloodies in a good Yorkshire. Oh, okay. yeah. It was great. So, yeah, and then... Um, after that, I'm trying to think what I really enjoyed comedy. I suppose uh, Catch-22 was the first okay. big proper novel I went, read where I thought, oh, this is funny and okay. really important. Mm. And yeah. when you were starting to write your first novel, uh, yeah. what, what were you trying for it to be like, if you see uh, what I mean? I got compared a bit to Nick Hornby, but I don't think Nick Hornby's books are out-and-out -out comic in the way that mine are. They don't have big, funny, mm. slapstick, you know... Uh, set pieces yeah. uh, I think I got compared to Nick Hornby because he wrote a football memoir and I wrote a politics memoir soon right. afterwards which happened to be 18 years as well uh, so I don't think there's anyone really writing uh, not many people I knew yeah. I could compare myself but to but in terms of prose that you were thinking oh I'd love to be able to write prose like this person or that person yeah, or that sounds terrible but I was I looked I didn't look at book writers I looked at TV comedy writers sitcom okay. writers yeah. I'd look at the, the sitcoms that I love like Forty Towers and uh, Porridge and mm. Yes Minister those are the things I thought were really crisp yeah. writing mm. it's interesting actually because when I first started writing the novel which I am only trying to write <laughs> <laughs> 
barely fast first draft. But I thought, oh, God, will I, you know, could I do this? Could I do this? But then actually... Uh, there's no reason why something can't be very dialoguey, and I sort mm. of thought, well, actually, my previous experience mm. does count. Mm. You know, yeah. if you've written lots of scripts, I, you know, yeah, like yeah, that's yeah, the like, one thing that I mm. sort of the one thing I find so easy is sort of character and dialogue. Yeah. And then you have to put and what it, what might be my weakness is filling in the spaces around mm. that. But right. you know, Dickens was an actor first, and I think that's yeah. I think to hear the voice of something mm. if you've got a kind of actor's yeah. mentality yeah. I, I think that's does, what I can, try to do can help yeah. I would hear can the voice help. I would try and hear the. I think looking back actually what my, my first attempts at writing were trying to be other writers so I remember trying to write a sort of sub Kurt Vonnegut book when I was like 20 and I tried to write a sub J.G. Ballard book and, and these were sort of like writers I was reading and enjoying and aspiring to but I wasn't finding my own voice then it's yeah. only when I suddenly started writing in my own sarcastic sort of um, yeah. a comic voice I thought oh this, is, this feels really comfortable yeah. I'm just yeah, being me yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. okay and, yes. I, yeah. and I know in fact yeah. so the, I remember being at I had the idea for Things Are Gonna Get Better which is a sort of memoir of Labour's years of opposition and I, the first sentence I wrote where I thought ah oh, this is the voice was about Labour hold Jarrow well done Labour you've held Jarrow <laughs> what an achievement yeah. brilliant yeah. yeah yeah. and so when I wrote that paragraph that's it that's the voice of the book okay. and then, yeah, then, yeah, then yeah, before yeah, that then I'd done various paragraphs hmm. which, this isn't quite this is a bit serious a bit pompous and yeah. when, when you get that DNA uh, you know? yeah. at that time of recording at the moment? I was going to say <laughs> at time of recording yeah. do Labour still hold Jarrow yeah they do actually oh, wow. I get okay. messages I get, me well, I get messages yeah. every election people on Twitter go John look Labour held Jarrow oh my god <laughs> yeah, like, let's not get uh, too embroiled in uh, yeah. discussing, but I, 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 I bring this up because uh, 20 years later, mm. uh, your m most recent book really was called Things Can Only Get Worse, as I yes. know, with the question mark, um, which I gather was added sort of later. It was it? added, actually, because yeah. I wrote the book yeah. after, the, before the 27 election, and then he, I was um, just uh, thought, oh... Theresa May's going to make an announcement outside Downing Street. What's this going to be then? And she came out and announced the election. I was like, shit, shit, I've oh. finished my book. <laughs> I'm going to have to rewrite it. I had to do the, rewrite the whole end. And, um, uh, and the fact that it was a moment of optimism for the left, that, that <laughs> she lost her majority and there was a hung parliament, so that it gave the book a better ending, I think, then. Now, you've just read it, it's probably ridiculous. That it's so optimistic in 2017, because now oh we're all God. really depressed, whether you're like me. Let's cheer ourselves up. Could you read, read us a little... Um, no, David uh, asked me to find something in his copy, so I'm going to go straight to... This okay. is, believe it or not, when I was... I grew up in a town called Maidenhead in Berkshire, which is rock-solid Tory seat. Uh, but having written Things Are Going to Get Better gave me the opportunity to sort of go and um, uh, uh, stand in my hometown. I thought that'd be a good way of fighting an election. Rather than delivering leaflets around Lambeth, I'll go and go back to my hometown of Maidenhead and stand against this unknown Tory woman called Theresa May, which I did. Um, <laughs> when was this? Like, this was 2001, so yeah, I was there. I was How the did she do in the end? I, don't <laughs> know. Um, I was the unknown local boy, you know, right. going back to his hometown. She was the, uh, she was the Tory on the way uh, to the very top. It was like a beginning of a very bad rom-com. So this is, uh, I'll just do a bit about my parents, just a very short extract here, because my parents still lived in the constituency. My parents were very keen to do their bit and came with me in the car as the Labour candidate addressed the voters via the traditional tannoy bolted on top of his brother's beaten-up Ford Sierra. <laughs> we drove around Bray as the message boomed, Vote Labour! This is your Labour candidate saying vote for a minimum wage of £4.20. 
I'm sure I saw one of the local residents covering up the ears of her cleaner. <laughs> my mum wanted to go on the tannoy, so I passed her the microphone. Vote for my son, she said proudly. Vote for my son, John. Then she only just managed to stop, her, stop, her, stop herself telling Maidenhead how well I'd done in my cycling proficiency test. <laughs> she passed the peculiarly shaped mic to my dad, who seemed momentarily confused by the technology. And he held the long handset to his ear and said, Hello? <laughs> and then the voters of Maidenhead were treated to the image of a rusty old Sierra plastered with labour stickers, driving through Maidenhead, booming out the message, No, darling, it's not a telephone, you speak into it. <laughs> tell them to vote for John. <laughs> then an Irish accent came over the tannoy, Don't fucking tell me what to do. <laughs> Looking back, it's hard to believe I lost. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Excellent, excellent. So um, that was non-fiction. I started off with non-fiction and right, then, then yeah. had thought I would never write another book. Uh, and, um, but it was such an enjoyable experience and the publishers said, uh, do you want to have a go at writing a novel? And I, and I did. And you've written how many? Five, is it? Yeah, five no I suppose so, yeah, five novels, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. A varying sort of uh, subject matter and um, uh, success. Um, <laughs> the last one was a fantastic flop. It was a fantastic... My publisher said, no one wants a futuristic... Was, which... No one wants a futuristic football novel, John. I said, oh. Oh, I really want to write a futuristic football novel. <laughs> and uh, I wrote it and they, they sort of published it in secret. So... Okay. Uh, <laughs> you don't the right, you don't the right yeah. to write one, no, presumably. I, no, it was nice, very nice of my... Uh, hmm. uh, Publishers to let me do it because yeah. I, I just wanted to get off my chest. Yeah, right. Well, well it's like he's yeah. done it now. I've done it now. Like, number six. Yeah. Yeah. Back to yeah. you know. I, was, yeah. I like it. I think yeah. that. Um, <laughs> I mean, there's, there's an, an area that we James and I have yeah. talked about on, on on this podcast, and um, for anyone, any aspiring writer, uh, it's the thing that we all. We all get wherever we are uh, in in our careers, and it's uh, rejection. Mm. And I think, and and and. And there's, there's a f nice funny uh, section in, in, in your book where you say uh, you spent a few weeks uh, working in Los Angeles writing the film that won't get made. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Who's going to star in the film that won't get made? Yeah. What should we wear to the opening night of the film that won't get made? Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, there's, a, there's a lot of that. So every whether you're starting out writing, you're trying to write a joke for News Jack, all the way, and you, you go to LA to, you know, yeah. you're paid to go yeah. to LA to write the script. There's still, uh, it, it happens, doesn't it? And then, and, yeah. and then you get something made and. Oh. What, 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 what about that then? What happened there? I know. <laughs> so well, I mean, how do you deal with, you, you know, well, you I don't know, well, I mean, guys. I, I, the, I don't know if that's rude to say Brenda. Okay. <laughs> I thought, I thought, Brenda hasn't spoken for a while, so I'll look to Brenda, but then he asked, well, how do you feel about rejection? Brenda. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even realise I didn't do that. You could have gone uh, away with that yeah. one, John. <laughs> Um, I remember being in a meeting at Channel 4 and uh, it was just so clear the minute I got there why they'd actually asked me for the meeting and I went in and then they were obviously going to give me absolutely nothing and uh, and she said to me that, anyway it's so lovely to see you I thought it, it was a whole hour later I just thought what a waste of time absolutely you know, you know yeah. nothing's going on here um, so it's just going through the motions, you know, so seeing me for no reason at all. And then she said to me, as I got up, she said, I just want you to know that the door is always open. And, <laughs> well, to, and, to go out? Yeah, yeah. And I said, yeah, but I'll shut it on the way out. Oh, yeah, sorry, I'll just turn on your punchline. <laughs> Cut my bit out. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. And then uh, quite recently, I, um, I had another meeting at the BBC and... Uh, I thought, oh, here we go. So the thing about getting older is you do, you do recognise these things yeah. and you know that they're just going through the most, you know. They, 
they're going through the motion, you just know you're not going to get anything. And you start really not caring <laughs> in a way where you're younger, you're a bit more desperate to please. Mm. And these people seem important and they think you think they know what they're doing and then you change that opinion. <laughs> <laughs> and then you After realize a certain that time. That this person is younger than your nephew. Yeah, exactly. You know, so. There's that, oh, right, yeah, there's okay. that too. It's the Billy Wilder thing, isn't it? So uh, they were all, you know, it was all the, uh, you know, oh, great, 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 great. And I thought, oh. so anyway, these emails started between us um, about uh, how enthusiastic she was. But it was never really saying, I'll commission it. So I just thought, I don't care. And I started laughing as I was writing it. And I thought, will I regret this? <laughs> but I thought, I don't care. And I went, I don't really... And I can't remember what, how I worded it. I said, but it was something along the lines of, just let me know, are you interested? That's <laughs> <laughs> good. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and she just... Uh, she didn't reply for ages, <laughs> and then, and, but which was clearly the answer, and um, and then and then eventually sort of replied with one of her stock. Oh, it's everything's lovely, 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 and I just thought it's just going yeah, nowhere. Yeah, yeah. So, but the th- that's well, the worst thing actually is the con- not knowing the continual sort of pr- yeah. procrastination. I always say after yeah. the second yeah. the second best thing, the best thing after a yes is a quick no. Yes, yeah. 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 I, I did know a writer who sent an anniversary uh, card to his script uh, <laughs> into the commissioning editor's <laughs> office. A little birthday card is a year. I think two years to the day since you got it. I just thought I'd send him a little card. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. You know, that's what that Billy Wilder mentioned. It's a, that famous story of when uh, Billy Wilder, who produced, you know, yeah. direct, wrote, directed some like it hot and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Eventually, when they were much, much older, they had a meeting in Hollywood with some 20, 20 year old. Yeah. And the 20 year old said, So, um, Billy, you know, um, what, what, do, what, what do you do? What, what have you done? <laughs> oh, my God. What have you done? And uh, Billy Wilder says, You first. You can sort of do whatever you like. Yeah, yeah. You, you sort of have that. You, you, you don't yeah. want to claim to be Billy Wilder, but you do have this bit where you just think, yeah. I've, got, I've got the head of the, I've got a development producer yeah. who is looking for stuff who, and yeah. I, I, I have a podcast about how to write situation comedy. Yeah. Yeah, this is yeah. a bit embarrassing. I've thought about this for, I thought about nothing else but sitcom for 20 years. Mm, right. And this person thought it would be quite fun to have a go at producing sitcoms. Yeah. But unfortunately, my mortgage rather depends on them liking it. Yeah. yeah. So you do yeah. have to do a bit of a dance. I don't know. Sorry, John, how do you feel about these things? Uh, I'm fairly philosophical about them now. Mm. I mean, for example, things like that football book I wrote, I'd never would have written that 10 years ago because it would have been too important for me to have a really successful next book. Right. And then I got to the stage where I was uh, doing lots of other things, um, writing things apart from books again, and I still wanted to get that out of my system and just write it for myself. Mm. So I took a very low advance, wrote it, and it, it sort of, the mm. few football fans who read it loved it. Um, and it sort of disappeared, but that's fine. Mm. Um, when, I, when it's frustrating, I'm trying to think of the last time I really cared about a project that got turned down. And dare I say, it's been a while now because books are sort of, uh, because I've got such a good relationship with my publisher yeah. that um, I, uh, they get published if I say yeah. I want to go. So I went for, a, I remember going for a lunch with my publisher and my editor and saying he was expecting a novel and I said I've got an idea for a comedy history book and I wrote this I pitched this comedy history book to him and he went yeah that's great I said do you have to take it back mm. to the publisher he goes no I'm the boss now I can <laughs> we can, uh, we can, yes. I can just say yes to that so that's an incredibly, incredibly privileged yeah. position born out of I suppose having sold 
a, um, a certain mm. volume of books yeah. beforehand. Um, but it'll come. Yeah. You know, that I'll be, I'll be, you know, he'll retire and I'll know what I want to publish me and then I'll be sort of just doing it for myself again like I did with my football book. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I suppose so. But yeah. in the early days, yes, constantly writing yeah. uh, sitcom pilots. Um, uh, in fact, I remember writing a, a one which was vaguely based on Dave's life once. We wrote a pilot called... <laughs> oh, hello. <laughs> we, wrote, we wrote a pilot. When you I mean, were, when Mark you, told me about Yeah, this, you yeah. were living with... I was with, living with Kit, Kit and Jeremy. Kit, yeah. Kit Hollerback and Jeremy Hardy. Yeah. And we wrote a sitcom called I'll Sit Here Then about being... <laughs> It's about being a single person living with a couple. When you're sort of 24 and you move to London or wherever you, or Manchester right. or wherever you move, you always have to move in with a couple. And they, who do they bitch about but the single person? And the single okay. persons. And we thought that was a funny dynamic. And uh, so, yeah, we sort of said, we kept asking you, what's it like living with a couple? And uh, so that was one pilot we wrote that got rejected. Yeah. But we wrote... Good Mark bloody Martin. thing too. Yeah. It's my Mark. life. Yeah. Mark. Thank you very much. Yeah. 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 Sitcom pilots for different yeah. shows that never before the Peter Principle, and yeah. uh, uh, and but then, it is hard, isn't it? Because yeah. you have to really believe in them. You really oh, do yeah. have to mm. make yourself vulnerable, yeah. and to say, yeah. look, if you don't want to do this show, then there's just no mm. point in anything anymore. Yeah, you really and think it's going to get made. So the film, when you that joke I made about what should we wear to the yeah. opening night of the film that won't get made, I was like, we were making. It was a film. I was that was uh, was an adaptation of my first novel, The Best a Man Can Get, and I was writing it with a successful Hollywood screenwriter, Kathleen Kennedy had commissioned it proper. Big, you know, Hollywood mm. producer, and he was. He's the, the my co-writer said to my wife, "Are you going to come over in the autumn when when we start filming?" And she went, "Well, if, it's, if it gets made." And he thought that was so rude. He was so taken aback by that British negativity. Right. Yeah. Uh, but she was being completely realistic. Yeah. And of course it didn't get made. And what, and, uh, what were the clues? I mean, because it sounds no, like... No, actually... Uh, it wasn't well, just he, emotionally protecting yourself, saying, no, well, obviously no one's going to make it. it no, were there clues that it was like... No, no, it was to do with the change of the person at the head of Paramount. Paramount got bought out by Viacom. Okay. Someone, and then the head of someone else moved on. And it's just like the crash happened in 2008 and they cleared all their development stuff. It's usually loads of all sorts of yeah. weather, uh, uh, sort of... Hollywood weather that changes that makes you out of favour. You know? yeah. Also, but I think with any creative career, even if it's not comedy, I was listening to Radio 3 the other day and it was... You're the one! Yeah, <laughs> yeah, oh, wow. Me, oh, yes. I think it was Private Passions. I don't even know it was because I turned it on halfway through, but he was a composer and the programme was about him playing his own music for things that never, ever, that didn't get made. Oh, that's good. Yeah, and uh, oh, okay, he yeah. said, basically, I've got as many things that yeah. didn't get made that have got made. Yeah. And he taught, he played the music and then talked through the story of how it didn't get made. No, oh, wow. And that's a good idea for a programme. Yeah, yes, exactly. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Right. And, uh, Sitcom writers particularly really drawn to that one. Yeah, uh, yeah. and I, I just didn't, thought, didn't well, Robin it's just... Robin Inns do a show like that, sort of cra pilots that crashed or something? Uh, I don't know, but it sounds good. But I just thought, well, it's any creative career yeah. then. You know, it's not yeah. just... I mean, TV can be quite ruthless and but all the rest well, of it. But, you know, if you've got to keep mm. going. And also... Um, I think Woody Allen said, he said, if you're not failing every now and then, mm. you're not doing anything new or interesting. Yeah. So you do have to dare yes, to right. face. I'm doing a lot of new and interesting stuff. <laughs> yeah. The other thing I'd say, well, I, another thing I'd learn about this is that my, my first book, dare I say it, was a big success. It was a number one bestseller. It was like iconic. It got me on TV a lot. It got me on mm. Have I Got News For You as a panel, panelist on Newsnight. And I thought it was because it was a good book. I thought I've written a really good book and everyone thinks I'm great. And then 20 years later, I write 
the similar book, the, the sequel 20 years later, and it's, I think this is as good a piece of writing, yeah, dare yeah. I say it, but it just didn't catch a wave. Mm. And I was just lucky yeah. first time around, and now I realise that that book chimed with something in, yeah. in 1998, you know, after 18 years of Thatcher and Major, and it just mm. everyone felt, oh, I want to read about that experience we've all been through. And this one is a much less clear rites of passage, mm. and that it's a much messier journey because we had a bit of labour and power, then a bit of the Tories and power, and it just, even though I think it's as good a book, I just... It's not. It's not as successful because it just wasn't catching away. It wasn't as fashionable. And no, mm. nobody, none of us can. Uh, and you, you can't. Yeah. You can't yeah. predict that weather. Yeah, you can't predict yeah. that weather. So, and so, add, so yeah. if you are very successful, it might just be luck. As well, and so. yeah, mm. and add yeah. the further complication of I literally pitched um, a couple of shows the other day uh, to a producer uh, with my writing partner, and we got we got sort of three quarters of the way through one, and he just says, "This this sounds really good." I have something similar to this right, already. Yeah, yeah. That, and he described his, and I just thought, it's not the same, but cosmetically it looks yeah, the same. Yeah. Right, that's the end of that. Here's the other one. Right. It's about this, 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 this. Okay, again, interesting. Yeah. I do have a show that's set in a you know, similar kind of thing. Yeah. And so you not only have to be lucky in terms of the zeitgeist, you have to be lucky that you're not hitting the person with whom you have a good relationship yeah. at a moment when they have something yeah. else. Um, and actually, we then pitched something else that we had no plans to pitch him at all, but we'd had an idea last right. year. And so we just said, oh, there's this other thing about this. And he was just like, oh, great, so, so can you send me that? Okay, that's interesting. <laughs> so, I mean, when, when I um, pitched uh, uh, Things Gonna Get Better to Transworld Publishers, um, they were like, oh, this is so zeitgeisty, this is so perfect, this is now. And they wanted it straight away and said it Penguin, and I got an auction. But then about two weeks later, literally, Ben Elton, who was writing, had just signed for Transworld, said, I've got an idea for a book, 18, my experience of 18 years of, that, of Tory of government. Yeah. And they went, oh, we just signed that. Uh, come up with another idea. And he saw me afterwards and went, you bloody had the same idea as me. But so lucky of me, because yeah, they would have jumped on that one, the celebrity yeah, one first. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was a nobody, but I think it's better that I was a nobody, because it was like, I was the, I was the foot soldier, the canvas. Yes, you know? yeah, 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 no, definitely. Yeah. But it would have definitely it would have killed it. parked yeah. tanks yeah, on that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, um, uh, again, sorry to harp on about the age and experience of things but when you know again when we we were starting out we were doing we can pretend to be anything we can yes it's radio yeah so uh, when he lies he lies down on the therapist's couch (laughs) we could say we've got shows on bbc3 no one will know (laughs) so when i started writing comedy in 2010 um it was a lot different um everybody uh you you sort of i mean there's no way that you Either of you would have looked, and you'd have thought, "Well, I'm going to be uh, writing a novel." Or you thought, oh, "You know, I'm going to be writing screenplays in LA." You just, you know, you start out and you think, "Well, I'm going to be writing sitcoms if mm. I'm lucky. I'll be writing sketch shows, and then I'll be writing sitcoms." But I mean, do you think that 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 idea is over now for new writers? You know, do you think that you know, that that's there is a career of writing sketches and sitcoms, and that's it? Do you, no, do, yeah, has to, do you I mean, know that, anyone who yeah, still I mean, that has kind of that? has to be over because there aren't any sketch shows. You know what I mean? Because when yeah. even when I was growing up, it was the two Ronnies and Morgan and Wise, and then a whole load of sitcoms written by two blokes who went to school together. Yeah, I mean, that's right. kind of the standard. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and Carla plus Carla Lane. Yeah. My daughter's boyfriend is a stand-up comic, and he's now got a sitcom commissioned, which he's writing for ITV2, and that's going out. And I'm looking forward to it. It's going out in the uh, autumn, I think. It's called Buffering. Um, and uh, I was like, slightly amazed that that process still happens. That this young writer gets on oh. an ITV2 sitcom, and he's been sharing the stories with me. And I'm thinking, well, oh, that's good. That's good. You know what you're doing. And um, 
for someone, you know, to be a stand-up makes a bit of a living, but I think you do need to supplement your income yeah. with other things. And yeah. he's lucky that he's got a commission. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, buffering isn't that for him. Yeah, right. especially comedy on ITV2. There's not, yeah, there's there's not on ITV1. There's some, but there's none <laughs> on ITV1. Well, I think it's getting better for women. I think what was really interesting about Fleabag... I mean, before I say that, but... Um, Writers Guild did, um, did a survey a couple of years ago uh, about sitcom, well, about all sorts of writings, but uh, the statistics are between 2001 and 2016, of all sitcoms commissioned on British television, 89% were written by men. 89% of the commissions went to men. Incredible. Yeah. 11% 11%. Yeah. It's outrageous. It is that's, unbelievable. That's a lot. It is a lot, Brenda. Yeah, oh, I see. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I'm, I'm so gullible. I just believe yeah, everything. Yeah. Well, um, By the time you've got to go out and make the tea. And yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. And have the ideas. Yeah. Those yeah. big ideas yeah. that come out of yeah. your brain. But I did allude to it. You're finished. Well, then I was going to say about Fleabag. What's interesting mm. about Fleabag, which I think is fabulous, is that that it, um, of course, everyone thinks it's fabulous, but I, mean, I don't. It, don't you? <laughs> no, didn't like it. Well, no, anyway, no. anyway, but you'll. I think it's fabulous. I just don't like it. Yeah. I watched the first one and thought, oh, she's not very nice. Oh, I watched Brooklyn Nine Nine. Here we yeah, go. Yeah. <laughs> but what is interesting about that is that it started off in 2013 as a Edinburgh show, an yeah. hours Edinburgh show, mm-hmm. and when I was doing stand-up comedy, you know, 20 odd years ago or longer. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, <laughs> you brought it up. Yeah, I know, I know. I brought it up <laughs> yeah, this time. Yeah, yeah. What would have happened to a woman in Edinburgh is what used to happen. In fact, I read a, I read a quote the other day, and it was London Hughes, uh, a new up and coming yeah. comedian, and she said, "I've watched all my male friends get TV shows, and I haven't got one yet." And I thought, it's still going on. That's terrible. Um, that's now, but. What happened, I think, like, 25 years ago, if a woman did a really good ed- show in Edinburgh, everybody would have gone round to the Guild Balloon Bar and all that and went, have you seen so-and-so's show? It's really good. Yeah. She's done a really good show. But no one would have given her a TV show out of it. Yeah. Whereas all the... Um, if you think about the Perrier Award winning, all the men, mm. Steve Cougar... I mean, I, they're all brilliant. I'm not saying this in a... Yeah. But they all got TV shows out of their Edinburgh shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if a woman 25 years ago did a great Edinburgh, she would not have got a commission. And I think that's the difference with Fleabag, is that she did this great Edinburgh, and instead of what would have happened 25 years ago, as everybody would have said, well, well done her, good Edinburgh show, no one would have ever have thought the next step is to give this woman a TV show. Mm-hmm. I mean, my, yeah. And they did give her a TV show, and she flew with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think the thing about comedy and women in comedy, not, I mean, I don't want to get too serious about it, but... Um, and sitcoms and stuff is that you've got to give people a chance and then you actually you should give them a second chance yeah. or uh, to, you know people have got to learn their craft and the thing about Fleabag is when she got the chance she grabbed it and flew with it but if she had done that fantastic Edinburgh show 25 years ago she would not have got a TV yeah. show but, uh, but apart from anything else there just would have not have been there have been like one Phoebe Waller-Bridge for a hundred men on yeah. the circuit yeah. so when yeah. I used to go along to the weekending writers meeting it was open to all uh, and there would be there was, I remember when I was going along there was one woman and they were all 
as I said before, all white middle class graduates. And it's sort of self-selecting because you've got to have, be able to take, uh, have a job where you can slip out in lunchtime on a Wednesday. In, centra- the, in, in central, central London. London yeah. And your, your points of reference have got to be similar to those of the Oxbridge producers who are uh, reading your stuff. And it was a sort of, uh, the writer's room itself was a sort of uh, competitive bear pit of joke shouting. Yeah, and if you're yeah. a woman, you wouldn't come along a second time to that, I don't think, with all the men sort of no, elbowing no, their no. way, talking over... I'm talking over loudly over the world. I was talking to show, uh, well, I shouldn't say yeah, actually, but uh, no, a very well-known comedian, and she said she did a panel show um, recently, and she said she she's really good comic, and she said the trouble is you end up uh, just not doing. She said at one point uh, the two co- male comedians next to her. They were just sort of ignored her the whole time. She's really good and she's really well known. And uh, they, they uh, at one point, they high-fived over her head. <laughs> I mean, you know what? I mean, you just sort of think... Yeah. That it's like she's but not the, there. But in, uh, it, actually, to thinking about... Because uh, Jenny Eclair's just been uh, presenting... Um, one of the, the things here, I was just saw her earlier. Um, 1991, Frank Skinner uh, won the award. 1992, uh, Lee Evans. 1993, Steve Coogan. Um, and then I think Jenny won it, or the, then or the following year, or Dylan Moran and something. So, and actually, in all those men, they did all. They all got a TV series, and I know Jenny didn't get a TV yeah. series. Yeah. So I think what, what happens is that there's many things that go on, and really, from managers onwards, is that uh, people think, "Can I make money out of you?" So an agent doesn't take you on because even if they think you're brilliant as a woman, they'll think I'll never be able to sell her. Um, I, I think, yeah, and I think everyone has an idea of what what a comic is, yeah. and, and, they, and it's based on previous history. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they yeah. just think, oh well, even yeah. though she's good, I won't. You know, I'll have all these meetings. No one will mm-hmm. give her a show. So it's almost having the faith and investment in that person, right from the very. It starts, you know, at, at the bottom run up that no one thinks that they're ever going to even make money out of you or this or that or whatever. All right, love, don't go on about it. <laughs> yeah, I know. I've, been, I've actually taken up some space, haven't I? I've no, it's no, good. No, it's, it's good. fine. It's all, it's we all know good. each other very well. I'm allowed <laughs> to make that joke. I know Brenda very well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah no, we're very good yes. friends. We were emailing each other earlier yes. and John said, uh, the four of us yes. about meeting up and John... Um, said, when I get there, I'm just going to speak very loudly all over Brenda. <laughs> <laughs> we're all very, everybody's very aware now about not. Yeah, yeah, so then yeah. I emailed back and said, I know what I'll do. I'll have a really good idea. And then you'll all ignore me. And then five minutes later, one of you can have the same idea. And we'll all think it's a great idea. <laughs> just say it louder. And yeah. then Dave emailed back to that remark and said, good idea, John. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. So we are very uh, aware about women in comedy <laughs> and me being not silenced. So I'm. Um, we're hilarious. I will not, I no, will hilarious, not be silenced. <laughs> None of this will make the edit. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I, okay. I can't be bothered. We'll to just edit. do a high five. <laughs> it all stays yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes, that's right. So I mean, we're, we're, we're getting close to our. We should. We should probably see if there are any questions from the audience. If there are any from the from the very patient assembled several, we should ask if anyone has any. Body language is saying, <gasps> don't, don't pick me. Us, don't pick on us, please. Um, well, I, I've got one question because actually you... Um, now, this is something that John's been doing that you might not know about. He he's writes um, books and lyrics for musicals now. Just the book, actually. Just I the don't book. write the lyrics. Oh, yeah, okay. I, yeah, I'm writing... Um, I've written... I'm on my second musical now. Second musical. Yes. And 
and uh, I mean, Broadway God, if you want to know how hard it is to get anything away, I mean, getting a musical, even getting a musical away of a hit TV show is is uh, hard enough. And John's Tony second one now. Yes. So, Mrs. Tony Doubtfire. Uh, Miss, I'm doing Mrs. Doubtfire, the musical at the moment. That's based on, really, we got that gig off the success of our first musical, which was called Something Rotten, which ran in on Broadway for two years, set in Shakespeare's London. Um, and that got... Uh, a, a load of Tony nominations and was a re- relative success so Brilliant. they asked us if we would adapt Mrs. Doubtfather movie into a musical and, oh. it, and I'm going over there next week I watched that oh. movie with my kids for the first time having mm. not seen it for oh, wow. probably 15, 20 years Brilliant. it's really it's a really solid movie uh, mm. yes it is there's, yeah. a, there's a few things that have uh, dated a yeah. bit and we've tried to change those yeah. and some of the, most of the stuff in the film we've kept but, yeah. uh, loads of heart t- loads of funny loads of heart, it's, loads it's of perfect yeah, it's, it's, it's been waiting to be nothing can go wrong I guess only a badly written Book could, book could kill it. in the way <laughs> of sure yeah. success. Yeah. So yeah, that's where yeah. I'm, that's where I'm off next week for a couple of months to um, to, to New York. Yeah, to work on that. Right. Excellent. Well, what do I say about that? It's like um, a, hand a, a new sort. Uh, yeah. It's a new sort of writing, and everything I've always written has been to go right to the punchline, right to the end of the chapter, uh, right to the cut in a movie. And in this, you're you write and write and write until the character starts singing, and yeah. you pass it over to the the lyricist mm. and the. And the yeah. So it's a very different sort of uh, uh, um, creativity to anything I've done before and that was quite a steep learning curve but, oh, exciting, but it's great to be yeah. in my, at my age and learning completely new skill and learning something yeah. uh, a new way of writing it's great the I permanent know. state of terror yeah, that you yeah. live in but also to, you get like a month of previews so you stand at the back of the theatre and the, you've put a new joke in this show and it either goes yeah. tumbleweed or huge laugh but, oh, can and you then ima- you know and can you imagine what how you could have done the Peter Principle if oh, you'd yes, done it exactly. 30 times. That would have got so good. Yeah. I did a blog post the other day, well, the other day, it was probably yeah. two years ago, when I was writing, I was co-writing an episode of um, Citizen Calm, and it occurred to me that we spend yeah. four days rehearsing, oh, and then you're in the studio, then you record it, it's and that's how it's going to be it's forever. Yeah. 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 And yeah. you would rec- you would rehearse a fringe play for longer than that. It's true. It's true. It's and true. have yeah. previews. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. here you are. It's just like go there, stand well, there, look there, do that. It's probably why a show like Fleabag got better and better because she was just doing it and trying. Yeah. To help, you know, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. So there is something in the theatre, definitely, in terms of honing your craft. We had a question. You suddenly waved your arm. I have. Yeah. Are there clues as to what will make a really successful radio sitcom transfer to television? Because some, like Count Arthur Strong, mm. you think will be very successful and did okay. Not necessarily. Yeah. Red Dwarf with a big budget, you would have mm. thought, would not transfer. Mm. Hugely successful. Yeah. there? Is there a formula? Mm. About them, or a, mm. What are the clues? So, just for the benefit of the listening people um, in their earbuds, uh, what are the signs that a radio show can thrive on the television? Uh, I was involved. I wrote some Miranda on the radio first. And I didn't. I wasn't even sure it would work on the radio. <laughs> um, and it did. And then we did it on TV. And I remember thinking, uh, literally the night before, you know, the night of yeah. the recording, even when it went out, you just think, I have no idea what people are going to make of yeah. this. This is a throwback. Um, yeah. And actually, critics didn't like well, it. it, got, so, it, did, it, it, it yeah. got sort of half reviled and half loved. And then yeah. the love took so over. So even, when, even yeah, when you... Yeah. Even when you know... I, mean, I don't know if you had this. We had Pete Sinclair on the yeah, show Pete, yeah. talking about... Uh, Mr. Charity, mm. we love talking about shows that people don't <laughs> like remember. so much or don't yeah. like. Pete um, will defend it to the and bitter ag- end. And again, well, no, he <laughs> said again on the night, gales of laughter, absolutely brilliant. It was only until he actually watched it at home he just thought, oh, this doesn't, right, okay. this doesn't quite work. So the annoying thing is, even if you sort of get it to there, and there are other things that are pretty thin 
that you just think this is just great this is wonderful I mean there's, there's that line in uh, Shakespeare in Love where the, uh, the they're talking about putting a show on he goes it might work it might not it's a mystery yeah. and, it's, uh, and, it, yeah. and it's true That's yeah. what it, it is it's like who knows whether it'll just yeah. Yeah. it'll just we were, we were making a, a pilot for a radio show um, at the same time same time as uh, Matt Lucas and David Williams were making uh, Little Britain on Radio <laughs> 4 and um it was, I mean, our, our thing wasn't anything like that, uh, but it, it was mm. a sort of the Britain now. It was a mm. sort of idea to try and do a multicultural show um, 15 years ago. So people thought, what the hell are they talking about? But we, we, there were the scripts of Little Britain were lying around and they're sort of looking at it and thinking, God, this is just, this is very weird. You know, yeah. <laughs> this is very weird, Radio 4. And yet, when that went to TV, the, the, obviously the... the, the, yeah. the the coming to life visually. The sort of, I, yeah. I guess that might might be it. Whatever you've got, you know, you, you assume that everything is good yeah. that goes out. But then something visually brings yeah. come, come something visual comes to life from what was there in the first place. Yeah. I think if there's good writing on the radio, yeah, it, it can it say, can do well. Yeah, and the then and then uh, to work on TV, it needs a few other extra ingredients as well to work. So you've got to be lucky with the yeah. the, the look, the, the director and the look of it and the. Even the the scheduling uh, can make yeah. a massive difference. So, yeah, um, if um, I, there's an argument, so I directed a show called Bluestone Four Two, and if Jeremy Clarkson hadn't punched somebody and they'd taken <laughs> Top Gear off, we were on after oh, right. Top Gear. Right. It wasn't on that night. Right. That episode didn't go out, and they oh. repeated an episode of Simon Reeve. We would have inherited an audience of wow. seven, eight million on BBC Two. No. Wow. Okay. Biggest, biggest audience. Thanks, Jeremy. Thank you. Yeah. We, the, I was working on Spitting Image when it got its biggest ever audience, which I said could drop into conversations, but it was because it was on after the boxing. <laughs> it, was like, yeah. it was like the whole of Britain was yeah, watching yeah. Frank Bruno and they just left the telly yeah. on. Yeah. So, another question. Yeah, my question would be for Brenda, primarily, and maybe the rest of the panel, is what do you think can be done to actually make the situation with women in comedy better today in terms of commissions, considering it's pretty much the same as it was 25 More female yeah, commissioners and producers. Oh, no, hang on. We've already got loads of those. Yeah, there are loads of those. So I don't, don't... I don't understand why there is a problem. It's right. odd, isn't it? Yeah, I think that... Uh, I think at a very, very deep level, uh, the, thing about the thing about in society... I mean, Mary Beard's written a book about women and power and women having a voice. And... Uh, I think that society does not like women having a voice it, it, at some levels. And the thing about stand-up is you're being funny and uh, you've got, it's just you and a mic. So it's the ultimate woman having a voice. You know, she's being witty and it's just her in front of the microphone. And I think that people have a problem with that. I, st I, th I still think that they do. And... Um, I think you've got to just show some positive discrimination. You've got to uh, just make it... Uh, just If you just throw it at the wall that it's 50-50, it's, it's going to be fine. No-one will die. It's like everyone's so scared about what will happen if they give women uh, the same chance as men. But, you know, you know, if you give a woman a sitcom, you know... Guess what? No one died. Mm -hmm. It wasn't that bad. And actually, they're often they often do really when women do get a sitcom away, they often do really well. But they just don't get their chance. Mm -hmm. So I think you've got to keep giving people chances and uh, you know and just and just try and make it as um, 
as equal as possible. Yeah. I think what, one thing that's actually happening now, and uh, this is uh, Saskia Schuster, who's head of comedy at ITV, she <coughs> has actually instigated a scheme called 5050, uh, and the aim is to have, um, by 2023, 50% of uh, writers being male, 50% female. I mean, there's on top of that, you've got a whole... You've, you now have all the other issues as well. I mean, there are, there are very, very few working-class uh, writers... Um, coming through and it, and, it, and it is very hard and, and there are attempts being made uh, by people in, well, in government Also, I'd just like to, to say it's what we choose to value I think we can all agree that we're very pleased about the number of new writers coming through very few <laughs> <laughs> There is something in there I know, I was, I know what I was going to say I was, I was uh, reading an article with Ramesh Ranganathan and the interviewer said to him, do you worry that when you're booked on a show it's really because you're not white? Um, and Ramesh replied in the interview, well, you know, I try not, to, I try and just think, I try and do the best I can and try for it to be on merit. And I just thought, actually, the answer to that question, the question is, it's not, is the woman... Uh, worthy of being there is the black man worthy of being there no I think it's the question is the other way round in my view the question is are all that are the run of white men are they worthy of the booking are they worthy of the booking not is is you know is the black man worthy of the booking is the woman mm. worthy of the booking do you feel you're a token gesture no that systematically what we've chosen to value and feel comfortable with is just a, a lot of what no disrespect guys to the, my lovely to, the, to the three white men is, you're um, sitting next to is, is, is you know white middle class men <laughs> make yeah. everyone feel really comfortable it's, but, uh, and it's yeah. what's happened and it's what everybody says is the thing and we value what they say uh, and the question is not will a woman fit in here will a black man fit in here are is the woman good enough is the black man good enough no the question is why have all these white men been getting all the work for so long are they as good are they worthy of it well, there just aren't enough sketch shows featuring four blokes who all went to Oxford or Cambridge together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's still yeah. lots Where more. Are those shows? Where are yeah. those shows? At least no, I so failed I just... to get into Cambridge, not just once, but twice. <laughs> oh. oh, thank you very no, much. No, so I just I think don't ask the woman if she's worthy of the booking. Don't ask the black man mm. if he's worthy of the booking. Ask it. Ask the run of white men. Are you worthy? Are you good? What would a posh bloke do? That's what I say to my daughter. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and um, they would say, well, I could do that. And uh, yeah. you need an enormous amount of arrogance to be a writer. Uh, and I don't pretend it's not arrogant to put my life in two books and yeah. uh, <laughs> I expect people to read it. But you also need an enormous amount of humility to make it good and keep going, this isn't quite good enough, I can make this better. Yeah. Uh, and I think the arrogant ones trip up in the end yeah. because their stuff isn't good enough. And the ones who combine yeah. the arrogance and the humility uh, eventually go, you know, I can make this better, I can make this better and they put it out there and hopefully the world judges it yeah. as a piece of material worth sort of uh, entertaining. That is the perfect point on which to end the show. We can't do better than that. That's a very inspiring and yep. nice way of uh, wrapping things up. So I'm going to stop you. talking. No, brilliant. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you very much, John O'Farrell. Thank you. Brenda Gilhooley. Thank you very much. I'm Dave Cohen. I'm James Carey. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you.